while they're getting their papers uh, uh, without without any uh, anything insinuated, I'd like to just make a, a reference to a, an, a, an Irish miracle without any insinuations of of any nature whatsoever about the Irish. But let's just <laughs> so Murphy, eh? <laughs> Murphy uh, dropped some buttered toast on the kitchen floor, and it landed butter side up. He looks down in astonishment. He knows that it's a law of nature and of the universe that buttered toast always falls butter side down. So he rushes around to the presbytery to fetch uh, Father Flanagan. He tells the priest that a miracle has occurred in his kitchen. But he won't, uh, he won't say what it is, so he asks Father Flanagan to come and see, to see this thing with his own eyes. He leads Father Flanagan to the kitchen and asks him what he sees on the floor. He says, well, it's pretty obvious. Someone has dropped some butter toast on the floor, and then for some reason they flipped it over so the butter was on top. No, Father, he says, I dropped it and it landed like that, says Murphy. Oh, my goodness, says Father Flanagan. Drop toast never falls with the butter side up. It's a miracle. Wait, it's not for me to say it's a miracle. I'll have to report this matter to the bishop, and he'll have to deal with it. So he sends some people around to, to, to get the, the bishop and to come and interview Murphy, take photos, etc. A thorough investigation is conducted, not only by the archdiocese, but also by scientists sent over from the Curia in Rome. No expense is spared. There's a great excitement in the town, as everyone knows that a miracle will bring in much-needed tourism. <laughs> anyway, say no more. After eight long weeks and with a great fanfare, the bishop announces the, the, the final ruling. It is certain that some kind of extraordinary event took place in Murphy's Kitchen. Quite outside the natural laws of the universe, the Holy See must be very curious before ruling a miracle. All other explanations must be ruled out. Unfortunately, in this case, it has been declared a no miracle because they think that Murphy may have accidentally buttered the toast on the wrong side. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> Sometimes our thinking is skewed, eh? Yeah. Uh, are we living in a land in a season when there's uh, so much uh, negativity and pessimism and fear that abounds? I thought you might be helped by thinking again about the contrast between being a pessimist and an optimist. How many optimists in the house? Any pessimists? Well, you didn't want to raise your hands. You're too pessimistic. But, uh, <laughs> a pessimist is someone who complains about the noise when opportunity knocks. No sense in being pessimistic. It wouldn't work anyway. <laughs> a pessimist is someone who can look at the land of milk and honey, but see only kilojoules and cholesterol. <laughs> right? An optimist is one who thinks he knows what the world would be like if it went the way he wants. A pessimist knows what it will be like if it stays the way it is. How about this? Always borrow from pessimists. They never expect to get it back. <laughs> Yeah, may God help us. We're going to dig uh, into something I think is very, very exciting in, in this season of, of life on earth, and that is that God 
uh, has been busy with a long running plan, and I do marriage preparations on too, so we run through a marriage checklist. God's got a checklist of things for the bride, for his son, for Jesus, and he's preparing the bride called the church, and uh, it's a wonderful thing that God is busy with. He's got a checklist of, of factors, and he's working through them, and right up front, I think he wants us to just know three things. One is he's a lover, not a bully. And love invites, it doesn't demand. Love invites, love inspires. Love makes an offer you can't refuse. Eh? Like when Colleen pleaded with me to marry her. You know? okay. <laughs> it's exactly the opposite, by the way. <laughs> but God is a lover. Eh? God is a lover, not a bully. God is a lover. And he, he wants to lead by inspiration. Because that's what love does. It inspires. Perfect love casts out fear. Uh, the, the most frequently repeated verse and f- phrase in Scripture is fear not, fear not, fear not, because the, the Bible is God's uh, record of God's love revelation of himself to us. 66 uh, love letters from God is the way Larry Crabb describes it in his, in his book by the same title. 66 love letters, all the books of the Bible, each one bringing another aspect of the love of God. God is a lover and not a bully. And remember, love wins. Love wins. Might seem like evil is 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 winning sometimes as we look at our nations and at our world and at our municipalities. It might seem like evil is sometimes winning, but God would assure us that if we keep our eyes on Him, love wins. I want to speak that as a word of hope over us. Uh, so the second thing I want you to know is that nothing's going to stop God. He's got a plan for His uh, for for the bride of His of Jesus, and that bride will come about. Nothing's going to stop it. It's going to happen. God has decreed it, and he does not uh, allow any word that he speaks to, to come return to him void. It accomplishes that to which he sends it. And then God's got a plan. The plan that instigates this, this fulfillment of a dream is Jesus himself. The groom himself is so appetizingly attractive. And I want us to take a few moments today to think about just what that really, really looks like. So... <clears throat> If you've got your Bible, say, I want us to do a study on Ephesians chapter 1 this morning. It's been a while since I've been able to be at this pulpit with all sorts of other things happening. But Ephesians chapter 1, I want to dig into that. And in the next few weeks, I'm going to open a few things to us that I hope will be helpful and uh, formative in our directional thinking. And Ephesians 1, we're going to read the first half of this chapter now and just see what the Lord would say to us from this. Uh, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. He's writing to saints. He's writing to real living saints, to people that had a long road to still walk. There were were Christians in the becoming, such as we are. Tell your neighbor, you're a saint. Did you know that? You don't feel very sanctified, do you? But we are being sanctified. We are becoming increasingly. We are human becomings. No, human becoming. eh? Can you believe it? Amazing. And the more you become, the more human you actually become. Eh? The more you become like Jesus. It's amazing. He's a fulfillment of it. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. It's like God foreknew what is going to be necessary. And there was one way to do it. And, that, and so he preconceived the plan because he already foreknew it. 
what was going to happen in terms of the fall of mankind. And uh, the plan was always that we would be in him. So we've been selected in him. I want you to hold on to that. It's not an individualized selection. Uh, the only individual is Christ. And any who put their faith in him can become in him. It's not like he's choosing one and rejecting another. God accepts only one. That's Christ himself. He's, and we are accepted in the beloved. So if you put your faith in him, you got in the ark. You, you, you got onto the, the selection panel. He chose us in him, verse 4, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. There's a purpose to our choosing, that we should be changed, not to be like we always were, but to become like the one whom we love. And you become like the one you look, you look to. You say, we who own dogs start looking like our dogs. <laughs> I don't know, I've got great Danes. I don't know if I look like a great Dane, but you know what I'm saying? And yeah, but you, the one you love, you lean towards that, and you, you, there's, a, there's some transformation that takes place by the very transaction of love. So we become like him, to be blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons. Now, I want you to see this. Not so much about servanthood, but about sonship. First sons, and then, then we serve. We serve with gratitude for our sonship, never to prove that we should be accepted as sons. So important. I want to say that to those of you, especially some who come amongst us who burned out from overzealousness in ministry, and, uh, and your ministry has almost become an idolatry, or the demands of you, on you in the ministry have been almost idolatrous, the Lord would say to you, remember, I want you to, to be a son before you become a servant. And he says, um, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves, then verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood. And I want to talk more about that part next week, which is the engine room of the gospel. I'm going to dig into what this actually means, the vicarious element of the blood of Christ shed for us in verse 7. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery Mysterion is the Greek word for it. This, and he's referring to the church here. This mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we are also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. They were included when they heard the word because there's something, Romans 10, 17 tells us, there's something about hearing the inspiration of the gospel that stirs up love within us that responds to the truth. So you heard it, you heard it in in an experiential way. You heard it in a way that birthed faith, and you could receive it. Having believed, because that's the very next statement he says. So in other words, they heard in a way that they believed. So having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Having believed, you were marked. So faith is always necessary. I was asked a few days ago about what about being christened as a baby. And the, the, the word used in many denominational institutional situations is christening as being as if it were by the, bap- the, the, the splashing of water in the name of Christ on a baby. The baby is Christianized. This is not true. 
Faith is having believed. There's got to be faith here. We don't, we don't know. I'm not saying a baby doesn't believe. We just don't know if he believes. If you know what I'm saying. Like any heathen pagan person, we don't know if they believe until, how uh, the Afrikaners say, your heart from follows, look the mount from the Your heart speaks. And we transliterate that. Your, your, your mouth speaks of that which is the overflow of the heart. What's in your heart comes out. Is that right, Stacey? Thank you. So having believed, you are marked in him. So again, you're not marked in and of yourself, but always in Christ, in him. With a seal. What is the seal? The promised Holy Spirit. This is the promise of the Father. In Luke 24, 49, he says that, wait in Jerusalem until you do be endued with power from on high, the promise of the Father. This is the Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. It's like a, an engagement ring. Hey? How many ladies got engagement rings on? Show me your finger there. You got an engagement ring on? Hey? Remember, there was a deposit given you. I'm coming for you, girl. Just as to say, I'm coming for you. Hey? And the day came when you could flash that diamond and another ring was put on top to seal it completely. But it was a, full, it was a guarantee. It was a, a full um, deposit towards a final installment. And, um, and the Holy Spirit is, is what brings about uh, an assurance in our hearts that we're, 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 uh, we're bought to the price. We belong to another already. And so he's preparing in us. So just to start with, with that part in the beginning. And if this is a mystery that he talks about, uh, and the King James Version talks about it as a, a suitable administration. That's another phrase for that word mystery, a suitable administration, that God has, has, has a plan that is suitable for the effective outpouring of his final purpose, and it's through the church. So to, to understand that correctly, we, we, should, we should have a clear understanding of the, uh, the values and the DNA of a church that would be healthy. So I thought I'd, I'd help you just remind ourselves today. It's a reminding message today of what that looks like. So turn in that page you have in front of you. We won't go through all those points in case you think I'm going to be here till, till Wednesday or something. But it's to give you an idea, and I'd love you to take it home and think about it, read it. Um, the, on, on the front part, the, what are the distinctives of a vineyard church? Uh, and the first part is... It's just to say that the, this is a description of the, the core genetic code or DNA that you would find in one form or another in different churches carrying the name vineyard. Um, this is not imposed upon them because vineyard is not something you join. It's something you discover you or, or something you become. It's something you discover you actually are. It's within you. Huh? And, and so the DNA becomes evident by the way that you live. So th that whole front paragraph is all about that. It's saying, what, what will become evident? Well, this is what it looks like. There are at least 10 features in it, and here they are. The one is, you, you'll be taught the Word of God, and with particular emphasis on, on practical application for daily living. That's the first thing. So you love the Word. Now, I, I want to tell you, Colleen and I were married uh, in 1978, but for three years before that, we were separated. We met each other in 75, um, and six months later, I moved off to Makanda, Grahamstein, and studied, and she stayed in nursing in Cape Town. And for three years, we wrote letters. How many of you can remember writing letters that you had to write with longhand, not email? Eh? And you had to buy a, an envelope and a stamp, and you had to lick it. You had to post it. Eh? And voice notes were taped onto a cassette, and you put the cassette in the envelope, and you sent that voice note over. 
How many can remember those days? Eh? I've still got a suitcase full of letters and cassettes between us in our, our courtship years. But what, what, what inspires me about that is the fact that I was in love with this amazing Karoo, queen of the Karoo, jewel of the Karoo. The last remaining daughter of a Karoo sheep farmer. Eh? I thought, I've got to get this one. And let me just tell you one little secret. I think one of the days that it was a make or break day, she said, let's go horse riding. So she lent me her dad's white stallion. And she was on her favorite brown horse. <laughs> and we sit off to the other end of this huge sheep farm. And I thought, I didn't ride. I mean, I ride scramblers, but horses, it's another deal. Uh, and, and I just knew this day, this girl is watching what I can do on a horse. And I thought, well, the one thing you know for sure is you've got to stay on the thing. And it was all good as long as you're going away from the farmhouse. But when they turned around the top end of the farm and started coming back as horses, how many have ever ridden a horse that smells home? Eh? You know what I'm talking about? Those horses just took off and she, her hair flowing out there, she was having a time of her life. And oh, my eyes were bigger, my butt was getting sore, I was bouncing all the wrong ways. And all I could do was hold on. I said, Dave, your future depends on this thing. Stay on this thing, you know. Do you remember that ride? <laughs> well, did I stay on the horse? Well, there's the result. <laughs> I did wonder if we we're going to have flat-headed children after that. Can you raise it from <laughs> But here's the thing. How many of you have ever read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation? How many ever read the Bible? Right, so hands up those who read the whole Bible. Don't be shy. Put your hands up. I'd love to see. Wow, okay. Do you know God's love? Huh? You know his love? How about reading that? When, she, when Colleen wrote me, says, I would read... Every line, I'd read between the lines. I'd reread them, you know? What is she really saying? Oh, isn't that lovely? Isn't that amazing? Or if there's a problem that she's experiencing, I say, wow, Lord, help me understand this. And the Bible is God's love letter to us. If you've never read the Bible, how about in the next 12 months, you, you read the entire Bible? Starting this, it's a day of new beginnings. We were worshiping over that just now, huh? Read the Bible. I want to encourage you with that. Read the Bible. And, and memorize one verse one verse a week, that's all I'm asking. One verse a week. And you'll have 52 verses in your, under your, 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 your Bible gun belt within a year. Because if you want to see the devil run, remember Luke 4 with the temptations, Jesus said, it is written. If you want to have gospel bullets, if you want to see the devil run, you've got to shoot him with a gospel gun. So load up your bullets, girl. Hey? Put them in there. Get them in your... And by the way, there's no such thing as a spiritual gift of Bible memorization. You can't pray for that gift. It doesn't come as a gift. It comes as a slog. Write it out. Say it out loud. Memorize it. Write it on the wall. Tell your neighbor. Practice your verse for the week. And just to get your confidence up, the first verse for this week is John 11:35. Jesus wept. <laughs> just to get your confidence level up, okay? You should manage that one, eh? So start with that. So that's the first thing. I don't want to label all the points, but I want to, we are a Bible-believing community. Amen. Then uh, also there's the evidence of ministry to the poor, and Maria was sitting over there somewhere just now. She leads in one of those areas we all have also with retrade. There's multiple ministries to people that are disenfranchised, that are poor. We have mercy, mercy offerings that are taken, and we help in a number of different ways. 
including all those that are broken. We have divorce recovery, all kinds of, of ministries that are focusing on, on poverty, not just material poverty, but in many ways. Evangelism, hey? A church that, that carries the vineyard and would be outreaching towards others. We don't, we don't hold what we have to ourselves in some kind of exclusive way. Um, also, emphasis on healings and signs and wonders and expectation for God's miraculous inbreak into our lives. That would be a very common factor in, in uh, most vineyard churches. Small groups. Um, and that, that exists in multiple informal ways, but also through our connect groups and through discipleship groups. Uh, and uh, that's where the belonging comes in. And by the way, you can belong before you even believe. Huh? I was thinking this last week or so of a guy who joined our church some, some years ago. And in the first few weeks of coming, he had such an encounter with Christ. He said, can I come and see you personally? So he made an appointment and he came to my office and he said, I just want you to know, I want to come clean because I really, uh, Jesus is doing something in my life. And I just want you to know and I want you to help me process. I want to face the music for the fact that I robbed a bank. He literally robbed a bank. I said, when did you do that? He said, uh, at that time, it was like 32 years before. So I said, well, thanks for confessing that. We obviously need to, first of all, come to God with it and then go to the authorities with it, which we did. We prayed over it, and then we approached the authorities. Long story short, because this is what he did. He, he robbed a bank, and the, he uh, took the money, bags and bags of it, and put up in the ceiling of his house. Whenever he wanted money, he just went upstairs and took it. So for years, he lived off money from upstairs. Manna from above. <laughs> and, but now that he came to Christ, he realized that the game was up and he needed to face the music. So um, he, uh, he came and, and we prayed about it and then we went and spoke to authorities and, uh, and took counsel at every level, both uh, legal and, and, and police as well. And, and they, they all said it's beyond the 30-year statutory season and he's free to go. They release him from all implications of having robbed a bank. Any other bank robbers in the church today? <laughs> Isn't that wonderful, eh? <laughs> yeah. So small groups, eh? And you can belong. And he, he found that by belonging. Um, another one is just uh, ongoing training and discipling of people. We express that in different courses we run. Um, ongoing personal discipleship. And you really need to be being discipled and making disciples. It's not really an optional thing. This is a thing Jesus gave for all of us to do. Go make disciples of and in all nations. Um, interaction with other churches. So we're very committed to that. We do that in multiple ways. Uh, creating city unity. Uh, good, meaningful worship. And I want to say Tace and the teams that were helping us over these weeks and weeks of, of worship leadership, we so appreciate the invitation to encounter with God. For us, worship has got nothing, nothing substantial to do with expertise and musicality. It's essentially an invitation to encounter with God. That's what it's about, essentially. Think about it. Eh? Uh, I was going to sing a song when I was praying. I said, Lord, should I sing that? And he said, no, probably don't. You know? <laughs> but I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. Praise the Lord, no turning back. How many remember that song? Eh? Uh, who, anyone go with me? Eh? And... Uh, yeah, all the verses of that amazing. I was just stopping because I was about to break out into song, but there we go. No turning back, praise the Lord. So, um, worship. Worship that is con with contemporary music and history as well, all thrown together. Uh, spiritual gifts, encourage and exercise. I love what Cell uh, was bringing, that prophetic singing. 
What a, what a wonderful expression of that gift. You're right, Tetais? This teary, eh? <laughs> Spiritual gifts uh, in tongues and prophecy and words of knowledge and wisdom and, and uh, all manners of faith. Uh, there's so many expressions of manifestation gifts. And, of course, our commitment to and involvement with missions, both domestic and foreign, and we do a lot of that as a movement. Um, we are currently involved on the global platform of, of world missions as, and as a local church. Uh, that's what we're doing. We very excitedly just discovered fairly recently of, of um, one church in Mauritius that wants to join the vineyard, and another one that has been planted already by some of the, the German vineyards have planted into Mauritius. And, and uh, so we, we, Kalina and I, we're going to Nepal for an international vineyard uh, missions leadership meeting, and on the way we're stopping to in Mauritius. Eat your hot out. Suddenly, suddenly you all feel called to mission all of a sudden, eh? Anyway, we are going to go. We have two other couples that are from this church that are now in Mauritius, and we're going to spend some time with them. But we're going to meet up with some of our lost brothers and sisters that are part of this family called Vineyard, and this is all part of the missions mandate. I do feel like I just want to declare this, and I declared it on the live stream too, that God has been speaking to us um, for a number of years now um, about going east. We need to be doing a lot more in the east than what we have been doing. The west and, and other regions are are largely populated with lights that carry vineyard DNA, but the East is such a need, and we trust in God to open those doors. So if you turn over the page on the other side, you, you have an outworking of this in terms of values. These are important to us, and this is how we would we'd speak of it and how we would imply uh, the application of the kingdom of God is primary to us. Um, I was thinking Jill's joining our team, and she still lectures at the Bible school on a Monday night, right? Am I correct there, Jill? And I remember being part of the, the beginnings of that Bible school in 1987. I don't know, some of you weren't even born then, eh? But we were lecturing, and I did a series at that same school, which was in the PE Bible school, which now I think it's Word of Faith. Is it still called Word of Faith Bible School? And we did a series on the kingdom, and it was like formative and foundational for us. The kingdom of God is, is priority for us. Um, the body of Christ as a community Church is, a, is, is not something you attend to watch some platform gymnastics. It's, it's something that you, you're part of. You're born into a family to be a participant in that. And a family in which the rough and tumble of, of awkwardness is part of God's strategy to grow us, including the overcoming of offenses. Huh? How many of you ever, now, just be, look me in the eye, huh? have you ever been... Have you ever been irritated in your marriage? Hands up. Irritated. It might, I'm not blaming your wife or your husband. It might be about your dog or your canary, but you've had irritation. The truth is that sometimes those irritations are given, designed by God, our Creator, to mature us. So tell your husband and wife, you are God's maturing factor in my life. Uh, don't tell them. You probably need counseling after that. Worship is another great value for us. That's why almost half of our meetings are taken up with worship, just a, an engagement corporately with His presence. And I say corporately because one of the, one of the sad aspects of, of COVID has, amongst a minority of people has been a disdain for corporate gathering. And the smaller the better because that's what you learned during COVID. Unfortunately, it was necessary during COVID. We were only allowed to meet with two or three or up to ten or something. But hey, it's like those guys are still stuck in a forest because they think the Second World War is still happening. COVID's over as far as those restrictions are concerned, and you're free to meet 
embrace it. And the Bible actually says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. We're talking about corporate gathering. So it's actually disobedient to forsake corporate gathering. I put that on live stream too. Well, I'm saying that by way of invitation. Come home to those that are not with us. Come home. You're welcome. And then mission, we've talked about that. Gifts and ministries of all God's people. And, you know, I think of like when Dave and Sarah are about to go over, they leave holes that others will now need to rise and, 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 and fill. And whenever there's a change in leadership in any way, shape, or form, there's always an opportunity for fresh legs on the field, hey? Don't you think that those of you who watch South African rugby, aren't you glad we've got a depth? And even sometimes those in our, in our bomb squad, as we call it, on the bench, are stronger than the ones who start the game. Hey, you know about that, Lyle? Yeah. So we, we need to be uh, people with a depth of, of, of gifting that's emerging more and more. So when someone steps aside, there's another one who can take the ball and run with it. Does that make sense? So we're talking about multiple volunteerism. I'm not talking about people queuing up to get paid positions. You know, my brother often says, Dave, you paid to be good. I'm good for nothing. <laughs> Are you kidding, Steve? <laughs> but he is he's very good and he doesn't get paid. Um, Okay, Victorious Christian Living, we'll talk more about that in the weeks to come, but I believe that uh, that's part of one of our values. God does not want us to live um, as victims, uh, with throwing pity parties left, right, and center. We, we are, because of the resurrection of Christ, we live victoriously, and we don't have to be under, you know, when someone says, how are you? You say, well, under the circumstances. Good heavens, what are you doing under them? Walk on top of the water. Claim victory over it. Learn the lessons from it, James, James 1, if you have different troubles. See it as an opportunity to encounter joy at new levels. Eh? The joy of the Lord will be your strength. We value marriage and family life in, in all its multiple expressions, and that's why we do things like marriage training and things, and we, uh, we encourage people to, uh, to uh, get married before they get loving and, and to, to become covenantal in your view of, of uh, relationships. That it's, you're not together because it feels good. You're together because you made a decision for covenant. And so we also believe in God's order and a particular biblical mandate for leadership. Leadership should emerge. And uh, leaders should come uh, carrying the spirit of a father, not that of a domineering king. And fathers want to see the sons and daughters succeed, not be held in subjects, as, as, as sub subjects, but be emergent into, into leadership. Um, and, and leaders, of course, are the ones who go in front, as Gandhi said, they go my people, I must catch them for I am their leader. You know, sometimes we, we're caught behind it and God wants us to be in front again and, and he leads us like that. So we have to think a lot more about leadership as, as we uh, explore being this, this mysterion, this God's plan for the church. And generosity, wow, I mean, that's such an amazing thing. We, we uh, celebrate the generous love of God. By the way, we are generous in, to one another. Somebody asked me this week about tithes and, uh, and they said, well, how does this really work? And I said, one thing's for sure. The most important thing is, is why are you doing it? And I want to say again and again, we are so grateful that God has shown us the motivation for tithing is not to get blessed, but because you have received. You don't tithe what you haven't got. You tithe from what you have got. The minute you've got it, you've got it, right? And then you can take the tithe, which is God's thank you portion, to say thank you to him. And the other 90% you, you use as he directs you with his biblical values. And that's so, so freeing when, you, when everything you do is, um, is, is an expression of gratitude because of his Generosity to us. Freely we have received, freely we give. Um, and that's been such a blessing for us in this church for, for years now. Um, and, by, and by the same token, that's something that only you and God really know of. 
So we don't police it. We don't police the tithe. It's, um, it's got to come from the heart, eh? not because there's an obligation put on you. That makes sense. Eh? I'm fully confident that I'd rather trust God than my ability to manipulate or police you. You know what I'm saying? I hope it makes sense. Eh? And in holiness, the last one there is that uh, it's a value for us. And holiness is understood as wholeness. Matthew 5, 48, be, be perfect, be whole, teleos, he says. As, be whole as your heavenly Father is whole. So it's not about morality, but about fulfillment, about wholeness, about being authentic. That's the holiness we really seek. Not the pharisaical holiness which cleans the outside of the cup, but inside there's all kinds of rubbish and maggots. Eh? It's not the outward pretense of, of, of a cleaned up morality. At least I don't uh, drink and smoke and chew like, like others, but you know, maybe inside there's all kind of, Jesus said, if you think with lust, you've committed adultery. If you think with anger, you've committed murder. It's the inside of the cup, eh? Uh, as a man thinks, so easy. So we're thinking about a, a holiness that has to do with maturity, growing up. How many of you are over 60? All right. How many think you, you probably still have a bit of growing up to do, eh? There we go. You, you also, Ida, you put your hand up. You're 85, aren't you? 88. And you still got to grow. God help you, girl. Wow. Awesome. So we're growing. We're in a healing journey. This is so important. Okay, let me, let me land this. Go back to Ephesians 1, verse 15. For this reason, now he's just done the first 14 verses all about uh, the need for this suitable administration called the church. Now, this is what he says. For this reason. Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I've not stopped giving thanks for you. Let me just say, this is an interesting thing that Paul is writing. Your love for all the saints, all the saints, even those awkward ones, eh? those difficult things, those pastors that are always up to something. <laughs> all the saints. And the, and the pastors thinking, all the saints, even those ones that, Give us such a time, eh? Some churches believe in um, VDPs. Have you heard about a VDP? Very draining people. <laughs> but we try to be more gracious. We call them EGRs, extra grace required people. It's a little kinder. Yeah? <laughs> but some of us do require more grace than others. And some of us leaders require more grace than other leaders. Eh? That's the truth of it. So when you talk about all the saints, we're not talking about a comfortable, cozy uh, set up here. We're talking about all. Right? So it's a, it's a challenging thing. Um, and I know one of the hardest things to do is to lead people who don't trust you. And so it's hard. Even Moses and God, had, that was their first big argument, other than his call of the burning bush, where he argued with God about the, the call. Later on, when they're now busy with going through the, the, the wilderness, and, and the people are complaining, suddenly uh, Moses says, look at your people, God. Huh? And, in, and then when Moses goes up the mountain to get at Sinai to get the Ten Commandments, he comes down and the people are throwing an augie of the golden calf and all that stuff. Remember that story? And, uh, and then, then Moses, uh, and God says to Moses, Moses, look at your people. You know? And uh, God and Moses, we're, we're swapping ownership of these people. <laughs> I how many leaders can relate to that? You know? uh, it's quite a thought. So we need, we need the transaction that brings about unity. 
Verse 16, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Let's not stop praying for each other. Can I encourage you? At 8.30 on a Sunday morning, that little room there is a prayer engine room. Come and join us. Join just for 20 minutes of prayer. We pray about things that are on our hearts, and we also pray about the meetings Sunday by Sunday. And Wilfred, Carmen, uh, Dawn, where are you guys? You guys just, uh, just stand there for a moment. Just stay. Wilfred and Carmen and Dawn over there. Dawn, stand over, please, man. These are core people that come there every week. Give them a hand and just encourage them, eh? Bless you guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, and others are joining in with that. Come and join us to pray. Let's make that room jam-packed with, with uh, people who call out to God. Verse 17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, watch this, so that you may know him better. Jesus is, is the, the subject here, that you may know him better. Paul said that I may know him. Philippians 3, that I may know him. How well do you know him? Eh? That I may know him better. So that speaks to me of um, a primary call of, of being a person caught up in a love relationship with Jesus because the more you know of him, the more you're going to lean into him in love. Then he says, I'll pray also, so now he's moving on to the second thing. That the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you which is the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Again, let's go back to the beginning. Who are the saints? You and me. He has an inheritance in us. And when you come and join this church, you're joining a family. You, you, you're participating in a, an inheritance in the saints. The joy of being there for one another. Eh? And, and so there's a belonging factor. There's a being as you know him, you, your being gets attention. Then there's a belonging as you discover the inheritance, the glorious inheritance in the saints. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. So now he's talking about a third thing, the, the, the believing that results in behaving um, because there's a new power. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. For the church. This is his bride. He's sparing nothing like Pierre de Villiers, Colleen's dad, spared nothing in a celebration of the marriage of his daughter to this preacher. I want to see this creature. <laughs> Spared nothing. What a great day. That, and, you know, one of the marks of, of blessing in Africa is when it rains. And as we walked out of that church on the 2nd of December, 1978, it rained at 5 o'clock in the afternoon in the Karoo. Hey? Like blessing. What an amazing thing. For the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. He wants to fill the church. The reason the church exists is that we might, we might carry his nature and exercise his dominion in the world in which we live. So um, just remember this. It's all about uh, being, belonging, and then doing. Those who know their God will be strong and do exploits. You will no longer sit with a victim mindset. Because the resurrection of Christ sets you free from being a victim to being a victor. You are on the victory side. The devil can do his damnedest, but the, 
But Jesus is, a, is alive. The bones of Jesus have never been found. The tomb is empty, and we participate in the hope of that resurrection. It's outworking in our lives. You might say, Dave, where do, how, do you, how do you land with that? Well, this has impact, impact on our exploits, our availability to volunteer for things, our exercise of gifts and ministries, um, cancelling every pity party, leading by inspiration, not obligation, because we're inspired by love. The love of God has gripped us and taken us on. Also, in the vineyard, we talk about this, that we won't lord it over each other. We use disclaimer language. If I bring a prophetic word to you, Dione, I would say, test this. I think God might be saying thus and so to you. And, and go and test it. Hold fast to that which is good. So we don't, we don't manipulate and exile some kind of charismatic witchcraft in each other's lives. We, we bring it with, with disclaimer language. It's so important. Also, we have adult-to-adult -adult relating, not parent-child domination. Huh? That makes sense, which is why we don't use titles. Jesus has the title, the title, above all titles. So don't call me Pastor Dave. Pastoring is what I do. You can call me Nice Dave if you like, or something else. That, not Pastor Dave. It's a title that we're trying to move away from. And certainly don't come with Supersonic Apostle, you know, those kind of other titles that get sometimes added to the, the string to make them more valuable. God save us from all that stuff. But let's, let's close it. Revelation, the last where God says this is what it's going to look like right at the end. Revelation 19, let me just show you here. And this is an amazing thing. In the first part of this chapter, there's such an outpouring of God's declaration. And the elders are bowing down, huh? And they were laying it all down because the wedding of the Lamb has come. Verse 6 of Revelation 19. I heard what sounded like a great multitude. There's going to be more than you think, huh? like the roar of rushing waters and like peals of, of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. <laughs> A great statement, eh? She made herself ready. She wasn't sitting back fatalistically, Lord, if you want me to grow up and grow me up. She engaged with it, eh? I mean, she in, entered into the preparations, and she shook off her fears. She took off her inhibitions. She took off the, the statements that had been put upon us as lives to keep us trapped in, in miniature lives when we could have had such an expansive life. And we lived such timid, safety-addicted lives. God's setting us free, because those who know their God will, do, will be strong and do exploits. He says, and watch this, the last part. Verse, verse 8, fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen, in brackets it says, fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. May God help us with that. And just to encourage you, I came across a, an interesting story, because God works in strange ways to fulfill his purpose. Eh? The, the guys were mountain climbing one time. This guy writes the story, and uh, they were right up on this cliff, and uh, this guy writes about his wife, um, and as his wife, Brenda was her name, was standing high on this ledge up in this mountain, breathing in fresh air. It was her first time climbing in this particular rock climb. As she rested there, safety, the safety rope snipped against her eye and knocked out her contact lens. Great, she thought. Here I am on a rock ledge hundreds of feet from the bottom and hundreds of feet to the top of this cliff, and now my sight is blurry. She looked and looked, hoping it somehow... It landed on the ledge, but it wasn't there. She felt panic rising in her as she began praying. She prayed for calm. She prayed that she, she might find her contact lens. When she got to the top, a friend examined her eye and her clothing for the lens, but it wasn't to be found. Although she was calm, she, she was at the top now. 
she, she was saddened because she, she couldn't see clearly. She, she had everything except vision. She, she got there safely. Um, she thought of that Bible verse, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. She thought, Lord, you can see all these mountains. You know every stone and leaf, and you know exactly where my contact lens is. Please help me. That's on a mountain, eh? So later, when they hiked down the trail to the bottom of the cliff, they met another party of climbers just starting up the face of the cliff. One of them shouted out, hey, you guys, anybody lost a contact lens? Well, they were startling up, but you know why the climber saw it? An ant was moving slowly across a twig on the face of the rock, carrying a contact lens on his back. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> hey? The poor ant is probably thinking, this stupid thing. I can't eat it. I don't know. Are we going to use it as a dish or what? I don't know. But I just feel something in me tells me that I'm supposed to carry this thing. I don't know where to or for how long, but I'm going to carry it. And in the carrying of it, drew the attention of the climber. And she got a contact lens back. I mean, isn't that amazing, hey? God uses all, all sorts of ways to reach us with the revelation of his, his love. Uh, and uh, that's going to help us tremendously as we become increasingly the bride of Christ. As we let him move in miraculous ways in our lives. Won't you stand with me? Lord, we stand before you as, as your people, saints in the becoming. We're so, so aware, Lord, that uh, this is a very exciting thing, that we've been called to focus on you, to know you better, and to respond to that invitation to a love relationship with you. Thank you that church is meant to be a place where we're celebrating the inbreak of love, the power, the power of love, that casts out all fear. I just feel like God wants us today to pray against all anxiety, you know, those pessimistic things we spoke of earlier, every form of anxiety that would crush us. You see, as Henry Cloud says, having fear is normal, but being fearful is dysfunctional. God wants us to set aside the fears that would hold us back from becoming all that God has called us, destined us to be. If you worry about anything at all, would you put your hands out in front of you? I'm going to pray. God, just to take away, uh, take away your fear and install you with an overwhelming revelation of his love for you. Powerful love. Love that will not let you go. Uh, you might be fearful because of the uh, lifestyle of a loved one. But you think, where is this going to end? How is this going to turn out? Trust God right now. Just say, Lord, I'm putting my hands out for that loved one, for that business. For some of you came forward earlier because it's a new beginning. And maybe you've got some fear still lingering on you. We just come and we say, Lord... We, we ask you right now to replace our fear with new f levels of faith in your unshakable love for us, generously given right now. Come, Holy Spirit.
Come, Holy Spirit. We, we worship just now over, the, over new beginnings. Tell the Lord does want us to make a commitment to doing that new beginning in His way. Where you want to say, Lord, I don't want to do this alone. I want to walk into it with you. And you're willing to say, I want to partner with you, Lord. I want to take you on as my senior partner in this enterprise called my life. And if that's you, maybe you came forward earlier as a new beginning, but you want to say, Lord, thank you that they sang over me. I appreciate that. And thank you for your offer. But today, I want to take up that offer of you being partnered with me. I want you to get out of your seat and just come forward and stand here again. And if you see someone coming forward, uh, and you'd like to stand with them and prayerfully support them, why don't you just come and stand with them right now? Come up here, Billy. Don't be shy. There we go. Anyone else? You maybe come forward earlier, but it's a new beginning. But now you want to say, Lord, thank you that you do offer, make an offer today, but I want to now be partnered with you. Which is wonderful to sing over you just now, but I now want you to make a transaction with God. You're going to sign him up this day, on the 23rd of July, 2023. Uh, 10.30 in the morning, you're signing him up as your senior partner in enterprise called your life. It might be your ministry. It might be your marriage. It might be your finances. It might be just your citizenship in South Africa in a tumultuous season of our nation. Come on, come here, Jen. Kevin. Morning, everybody. Um, during worship, the scripture just kept coming to me. Mm. No eye has seen, no hear has heard what God has prepared mm. for those who love them. You, and I felt like God saying there's a, definitely a, a one day um, meaning in that. But there's also on earth now meaning. And I feel like God's saying, you don't know what I've got for you. Yeah. You don't know what I can do or what yeah. I've prepared. And God is saying, have an expectation of good. Yeah. We often have an expectation of what's going to happen now. This is going to happen that. Mm. But God is saying, have an expectation of good because mm. I've got good things ahead thank for you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. So we thank you for that, Lord. Expectation of good. Church, can I ask some of you to come up and stand with each person that's standing up front here? Just come and stand. We just stand in front of them, in fact, too. Just come and stand in front of them so when you pray, they can hear what you're praying. We'd love every person to have at least one or two people praying with them because we do life better together. Uh, come and stand with them. Let's have at least two people come up for each one that's up front and uh, see what God's going to do. If you're standing for prayer, just put your hands out in front of you, and that's why we'll know that you, you need someone to stand with you. See what God's going to do. It's a new day. This is a day of new beginnings. The Lord says, Behold, I make all things new. All things new. Come pray over there. There we go. Thank you. Someone come pray over you too. If you don't mind, if you come and stand in front of them, it'll help us. I need some more people to come pray over you. Come pray over you if you don't mind. Thank you. Thank you. Keith, thank you. Anyone else need prayer, just wave at me. I'll make sure people can pray for you. So, Lord, we bless what you're doing in these lives right now. Thank you for what you're doing, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Uh, I want to declare a ex fresh expectation of good, of miracles breaking out. That which we commit to God, He is capable and willing to fulfill. I am willing, He says. Be healed. 
Be resourced. Speak his blessing on you. Johnny, we want to pray for you as a family. Can we we get some little prayer with you as a family? Would you you want to come up here as a family? Bring your whole family here. Victor, bring your mother and your sister. Bring them up here. I'd like to pray for you as a family. Come stand up here if you don't mind. I'm going to pray with you in a moment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jonathan and Shana, why don't you guys come in? I want you to pray this family. Come join me. Let's come sit here. Come, come here. There we go. Jonathan and, and Shana, why don't you pray with this beautiful family, Johnny and Hector, Maria. Pray for them if you don't mind. Come and join them. Come. Thanks. Just bless this family. I just feel like God wants you to speak blessing over them today. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we bless what you're doing. Thank you for the empowering. Thank you for the deliverance from fear. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing. Very powerful. Come, Jose. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. We bless what you're doing, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing. You're present in the house to bring favor and blessing. Thank you, Lord. Bless what you're doing. Church, this is a very important. But just pray for if you're out there, pray for these people. Reach out your hands. Bless what God is doing. It's amazing how the Spirit moves in result to our invitation of blessing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing, Lord. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're not in a hurry, guys. It's good just to be before God. Allow the presence to soak into us. Something very sweet about that. His presence seeping in. Grace coming in. Kindness, kindness coming in. I feel like there's someone today who's really needed a, a season of kindness. You've had such a lot of unrighteousness, injustice, hard things happening. God wants to bring a fresh day of kindness in your life. That's you, and you're not yet up front. Come up here. We want to pray for you for a breakthrough for kindness in your life. That we may know that surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life, and you will dwell in the house of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So as we continue praying for these people here, thank you for those that have been listening online at at home. May God bless you as well. And all that we pray for you, we pray for you as well. And pray that our fellowship over today, the rest of this week, would be sweet. And, and this, this would be a gathering of God's people who are making themselves ready as the bride of Christ. God bless you guys. You're welcome to go and get some tea, coffee. Come pray some more with the people that are standing up front here. Let's enjoy a time of ongoing fellowship. God bless you guys. Thank you.